to episode 13 of Long Hair Do Care. I am your host, Georgie Corkery. Pronouns she, her, hers. Also happy to go by they, them, theirs. And today is July 18th, 2021. And the topic will be Master Recycler Program that is in Salt Lake City. Here with me to talk about it is Ashley Bailey. Hi, my name is Ashley. I'm still figuring out my pronouns. I'm in awe of people who just <laughs> automatically know, or I know it's been a process for them, and I guess I'm still in that process. But for now, I'm comfortable with she or they. There we go. It's a it's a process to go through, and totally understandable to not know your pronouns. The more I think about it, the more... I'm like, wow, why do we have these? (laughs) Yeah, like, should we even have them at all? And everything is so gendered, it it gets under my skin. But that's a good topic for another day. But before we jump into the Master Recycler program, which Ashley is very involved in, and we'll get to that, we got to talk about the cats that we've interacted with this week. Yeah, cats. Um, Do you want to go first? Have you interacted with any cats this week? Sure, I'll go first. Yeah, well, I actually have a cat. Oh! Whose name is Eggnog. Eggnog. So I interact with her. I mean, I haven't asked her her pronouns, so I'm just assuming. (laughs) Um, She hasn't told me otherwise. But yeah, so I hang out with her every day. And then usually for my job, I'm in the field a lot. Okay. So I'm seeing a lot of outdoor cats just hanging out. Oh, yeah. Cat colonies. Yeah. That is actually another thing that I really do want to talk about because that's kind of a really big environmental issue. Right. And also I love talking about cats. Cats are great. Does eggnog, is eggnog called eggnog because she looks like eggnog? No, she doesn't. Oh. Yeah. Well, so the story goes back to when I found her, I was working at a Starbucks. Oh. And it was mid-December, and I walked out to my car, and I heard this meowing, and I was like, I need to look under my car and see cat under here. Like, where does this meowing come from? So I did that, and then I didn't see anything, and I got in my car, and I still heard the meowing. Oh my gosh, was she on top of your car? Well, she was in the back of my head growing up. My mom had always told us to, like, knock on the hood of your car in the winter because animals like to go by the engine to stay warm. Oh, so that was interesting. Yeah, so that was in the back of my head. I'm like, you know what? I better check under the hood of my car. So I, oh my gosh, I, she was in the hood of your car? <laughs> she was in the hood of my car, and she was just... I mean, she wasn't a tiny kitten. She was a little bit older, but she wasn't full-grown yet. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, all right, like, let's go. Um, You're and I just put her in the car. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> and I, at the time, I had been, like, moving around a lot, and where I was living, like, I wasn't supposed to have cats. Mm. But I called my landlord and told her the story, and she was like, yeah, my She's daughter. Like, okay. Yeah, she like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just funny because every year, like, I'd never really liked the taste of eggnog until that winter. I was, like, okay. all about it. So you're like, and new flavor palette, new, <laughs> new cat, cat, let's just this makes combine sense. it together. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So that sounds great. Eggnog. So the wildlife that I saw this week just... Oh, wait, I didn't even tell you about the cats yeah. I've seen. Okay. <laughs> I was able to interact with this cat named Lila... And her six kittens! I met them when they were nine days old, and then I saw them again when they were 14, and 14 days old. And they're so cute. Little baby kittens just wiggle around. They couldn't, like, open their eyes the first time when I met them. Where did you meet them? uh, In my house. Some My friend needed some help and was like, I was traveling in my van with... My cat, and then my van got totaled because I hit a deer. Oh, jeez. And my cat had kittens. Wow. I need help. And I was like, okay, let's see what I can do. So I housed them for just a tiny bit. Yeah. And they're so tiny. They're so cute. Yeah. So I interacted with those six and then two more, Dada and Moira, who I've brought up on the podcast before. That's nine cats. That's the most I've interacted with since I started this podcast. So I feel very accomplished. Nice. And in the wildlife that I like got so excited to share about is I saw pikas. Which I don't know what those are. Pikas are so cute. (laughs) Think of a hamster. Okay. But bigger ears. Uh, They're a little bit bigger. And they're athletes because they live in the mountains. Nice. And they live in like high altitudes on rocks. And they go, meep. And they just meep all day. Yeah. I think the cutest experience I've ever had was hiking up 
to Pfeifferhorn, and I came over a rock climbing up a boulder field, and it was just on the edge, and it looked at me, and then it lowered its big little ears, and yeah. it went, meep, and then it ran away, <laughs> and it was so cute. Aww. Everyone should look them up. They're adorable, yeah. and uh, I saw them again. Today, I did Pfeifferhorn today, and I was like, I'm going to see pikas, and I was yeah. so excited. They're so cute. That's so wild. I have never come across this animal, but now I'm going to be on the lookout. They're really great. It's it's the meat, like meat that you got <laughs> to listen for. Listen for okay. And then they just scurry around. They're super cute. And unfortunately, because of, you know, the climate crisis and warming temperatures, especially here in Salt Lake City, their habitat is diminishing because they're high elevation and, you know, the temperatures, so yeah, you can only go so high. People are projecting they will be extinct in however many years. Yeah. Again, maybe just another topic for another time. <laughs> yeah. um, so the Teslas I saw this week, I saw 61 and 9 halves. Yeah, so where does this half come into play? <laughs> so the half comes into play because I see electric cars. Okay. And electric cars generally are super cool, yes. but they're not as cool as Teslas, so right. I just give them a half. I see. Yeah. Cool. And I feel a little uh, silly counting Teslas, but right. it's just been a thing for now at least 13 weeks. Yeah, that's so great. Is this the highest number for a week? No. Oh, I went to California uh, a while yeah. ago, and I saw over <laughs> 250 or something. It was They were that's everywhere. Great. Yeah. And to me, they're like a sign that the future is coming or here. Totally. And California is, is the, the future. future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy. So not the highest number, but a pretty high number for Salt Lake. Yeah. I think it was 70 something. That was the highest. Nice. So. Well, on my way over here, I saw two. Ooh. So okay. Within like 15 minutes and probably a there while. We go. Salt Lake's so. popping and becoming yeah. the future and maybe a little, um, overpriced and yeah. full of wealthy folks, but, yeah. uh, it's funny because whenever I see a Tesla, I just like think to myself, whoever is driving this, like we would be best friends. Like, <laughs> like, I'm automatically like, you're my best friend. Can I get to know you? Can I, I have like, say hi? mixed feelings. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, we should probably get along. You should probably know me. Yeah. And then also I'm like, man, you like rich bitch. Right. I waffle um, between the two. Yeah. <laughs> rich, like environmentally friendly bitch. Yeah. But I'm sure there are people who just want them for the aesthetic and to say they have a Tesla. I I think so. Not that it's like the right choice in a vehicle to make. But if you're going to make that choice, it's nice that they can make it for uh, an electric car. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. which is, I guess, why I like them so much. I I think they're beautiful. Who wouldn't like them? And maybe people disagree, but... Whatever. It's cool. I, I, (laughs) I, I hold my ground. Stand my ground. Do it. Last thing before we jump into the topic is conscious content consumption. And Ashley, I like talking about this every week because we're constantly consuming media. And I think we should really look at that media and be decisive about what it is, not let it land on us without us thinking. So I like to share things. And what I'm sharing this week is a book by Terry Tempest Williams, who I'm a huge fan of. It's When Women Were Birds. 54 Variations on Voice. It was published in 2012. It's an autobiography memoir centered on or around nature and environmentalism and feminism. She's written, published 25 books total so far. And the three that I've read, they are all so good. I read Refuge, An Unnatural History of Family and Place that was published in 1991. One called Desert Quartet, An Erotic Landscape. And it has all these beautiful illustrations. I should know who illustrated it. And that was 1995. And then the one that I'm eager to read next is Erosion, Essays of Undoing. And that was in 2016, which, as I'm sure you know, coincided with Trump 
being elected. And in that one, she talks about, I think she talks about the election and politics, but then also our land actually eroding. And then of course she brings in her own life a bit. And she's, it's, she's a beautiful writer. The little blip about her is Terry Tempest Williams is an American author, conservationist and activist everything that I want to be. William's writing is rooted in the American West and has been significantly influenced by the arid landscape of her native Utah. So she's from here and she's so cool. And then she was raised here. Her work ranges from issues of ecology and wilderness preservation to women's health, exploring the relationships to culture and nature. Everything she writes just blows my mind. Does she live here still? She does live in Utah. I don't know where right now. I know she's lived in southern Utah um, quite a bit. And then she did live near Great Salt Lake. She worked at the University of Utah for a while in the Natural History Museum. She's just, she's really cool. You guys got to look her up. Um, and then this book, When Women Were Birds, is actually the first book I read of hers. I'm just going to read <clears throat> what's on the back of the book. Quote, I'm leaving you with all my journals, but you must promise me you won't look at them until after I'm gone. This is what Terry Tempest Williams' mother, the matriarch of a large Mormon clan in northern Utah, told her a week before she died. It was a shock to Williams, Terry Tempest Williams, to discover that her mother had kept these journals. But not as much of a shock as when she discovered that all of the journals, three shelves were were blank in 54 short chapters, hence the 54 voices. She recounts memoirs of her mother, ponders her own faith, and contemplates the notion of absence and the presence of art in our world and the natural world. That the whole description doesn't even do it justice, but I do have a few quotes that I'm going to dive into really yeah, quick. The most common quote from the book is this. Once upon a time, when women were birds... There was the simple understanding that to sing at dawn and to sing at dusk was to heal the world through joy. Birds still remember what we have forgotten, that the world is meant to be celebrated. I love that so much because the world is meant to be celebrated. There are so many hard things that we go through, whether we're trying to figure out what our pronouns are or our car won't start or... (laughs) I feel like there's even just a sense of freedom of thinking about yourself as a bird. And like, yes, I like that as well. Absolutely. Waking up in the morning and flying free and doing your call. And yeah, I like that as well. I think it does give off the notion that we get to decide what we do throughout our day. Yeah. I just hope, and I think Terry Tempest Williams hopes that, we are able to celebrate <laughs> life and even the mundane because a lot of the times even mundane things are beautiful. Yeah. I'm also a really big birder. I love birds and Terry Tempest Williams is as well. So just the title when women were birds ugh, yeah. gets me. I do have three more. I sifted through all the really great quotes and I'm worried that I didn't get the best ones. But here we go. Here's a second one I have. For far too long, we have been seduced into walking a path that did not lead us to ourselves. For far too long, we have said yes when we wanted to say no. And for far too long, we have said no when we desperately wanted to say yes. I love it so much. It's so good. That is a good one. I mean, yeah, just going along with like speaking your mind and Mm -hmm. not being afraid to speak your own truth. Because a lot of the time in our culture, that's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like you're in the minority whenever you want to speak your truth or say the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Even. And especially if you do identify as queer in any right. which way, and then let alone if you're a female or femme presenting or a minority gendered. And that's something that she does talk a lot about in this book is trying to amplify her voice. Yeah. This next quote goes really well. The next two <laughs> go really well with this. <laughs> When I look in the mirror, I see a woman with secrets. When we don't listen to our intuition, we abandon our souls. And we abandon our souls because we are afraid if we don't, others will abandon us. 
I'm not sure how much I personally believe in a soul, but we do abandon ourselves so that others don't abandon us, right. which is just a bad thing for us to teach other people to do. Yeah. I feel like any time that I've been vulnerable and said something that maybe I thought about not saying, those are the times that I actually connect more with people. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm always like, why didn't I just do that before? <laughs> why am I holding back? So yeah, I yeah. think people should just do that more. <laughs> yeah. If, if we do, if we elevate our voice, very likely someone else right. in the future who hears us is like, oh man, they can do that. I can do that too. And yeah. so even if the person that you're immediately with will abandon you because you say, hey, I, yeah. I'm i queer and I like to wear a mustache. And they're like, oh, God, I need to get out of here. And you're like, all right, not my person. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you give other people permission yeah. to be themselves. Absolutely. You can. Yeah. So uh, last quote. <laughs> to write requires an ego, a belief that what you have to say matters. Writing also requires an aching curiosity leading you to discover, uncover what is gnawing at your bones. I love that so much. I think I picked that one specifically for this podcast because to have a podcast, you have to have a little bit of an ego right. and you want to propel your voice literally. And in writing, you do. If you create any content, you want people to hear and understand you. And right. she does say it takes ego. It requires ego, but then kind of counterbalances that with this aching curiosity to discover yourself and what's gnawing at your bones. So yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I feel like in writing practices that I've done where it's, you know, just do a free write for like 10 minutes or 30 minutes, you uncover a lot that you probably wouldn't have thought you would have written. Yeah. It's so same kind of thing. Like, yeah, you're going to find some things out about yourself that maybe you didn't know were there until you start practicing whatever art it is. I think conversation and speaking and trying to be as honest as you can is an art in and of itself, which does require an ego. And you know what? I hope you all have a bit of an ego because <laughs> you're going to need it so you can celebrate the world. Yeah. The only issue that I have with this book is that it is female centric when women were birds. It does not include people who are of other minority genders, such as people who identify as non-binary or transgender. However, I do think that if Terry Tempest Williams was to rewrite this book today or write it in today's world, she would include those folks. I follow her on Instagram, and she seems like a pretty in-tuned and fully accepting human being. Beyond that, this book is top 10, I would say. That's that's my shtick on Terry Tempest Williams' When Women Were Birds, 54 Variations on Voice. But that all being said, we're going to jump into Salt Lake City Master Recycler program. Yes. I'm talking about that. Ashley, will you just say what your position is yeah. with it real quick and we'll go from there? Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So I work for Salt Lake City as the government entity, specifically in the waste and recycling division. So the Salt Lake City Master Recycler Program is this course that the city offers to Salt Lake City residents. Within my job, I do many different things, but one of them is to be the director of this program. Okay. And I, I'm not originally from Utah. I grew up outside of Buffalo, New York. Oh, um, wow. Other side yeah, of the country. Complete other side. <laughs> like a whole other world, really. <laughs> but I've lived in Utah for probably about 13 or so years now, so it feels like home. Nice. Um, and I think it's I good always... Home. Yeah. It's a good home. I mean, I think people are always like, oh, like you end up in Salt Lake and like, you'll never leave. And it's like, well, it's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I think I always knew I wanted to be out West in the mountains. So yeah, that's just a little backstory on me. And nice. How I got here. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I didn't realize that you worked kind of in a broader scope for Salt Lake City. Yeah. Technically my title is the education and permits lead. 
So I'm in charge of a team of about five people who you may have seen us out and about doing can checks. They're the ones doing can yeah. checks. I have seen them. And then yeah. I see when SLC Green sends out their emails, there's always like, this person was can checking. Yep. So, <laughs> so I do that as well. And then, you know, like presentations for community councils or church groups or whoever is like, hey, can you talk to us about recycling? Yeah. Yeah. So the Mastery Recycler program is just one of the many things that goes on with the education well, team. Well, cool. I found out about the Master Recycler Program, not because I did it, but I found out about it when I was the sustainability director for the Utah Pride Festival. And a lot of my volunteers came from the Master Recycler Program, which was just so awesome and so helpful. And yeah. to have that connection there was really cool. Yeah. So I'm so great that you had so many because that's a huge part of what we want people to take away from the Master Recycler Program is, you know, to be like this change agent in your community and volunteer and, you know, talk within your group of people and kind of just be a leader yeah. for all things recycling. Well, that so. being said, do you want to go <laughs> over the program itself? Yeah. Like how long it takes, how many people generally do it, totally. what you do? Yeah, yeah let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's like a rundown of the program. So it started in 2015. It hasn't been around for that long. And I started doing it um, with another person two years ago in 2019. So yeah, and then we didn't do it last year because of COVID. Because of the COVID. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's great because it's a free program and it's all oh, you don't have to pay for you it. You don't have to pay for it. Oh wow. I think it's free, folks. It's free. Sign up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of I mean, right now it's only offered once a year and it's about a three month long program. So it starts like at the end of March, goes until the end of June, but it's just once a week. Um Okay. And so the requirements are that you have to take two core courses called Waste and Materials Management 1 and Waste and Materials Management 2. <laughs> um, the first one is all about garbage, like the history of garbage, landfilling and incinerating, whereas the second one just focuses all about recycling. Yeah. Um, so those are the two core ones that you have to take. But we try to offer different times so that so that people can yeah can like fit their work, schedule totally because it's mostly I mean obviously like working adults that are taking yeah this and it's hard to work your schedule yeah. around that. Well, both of those sound mm -hmm. fascinating. I would yeah. love to hear the history of garbage. Yeah, <laughs> and just knowing because I'm you know the way that shapes our cultures. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. So then outside of those two core courses, we offer six electives. And the student has to take at least four of those that we offer. Can students take all six you if can, they choose? Yeah, you can totally take all six. All right. And some people do. <laughs> so, but we just like, you know, you can't make everyone. So we understand yeah. that, you know, if you can commit to four, that's great. Um, and those involve things like global perspectives on waste, composting, creating a green team for like a business. Oh, cool. Maybe that's uh, <laughs> where my green team came from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All my volunteers are so great. Yeah. And then just talk about like commercial waste and like doing waste audits. So there's a very wide variety and diverse selection of courses that Ooh. people can pick. And then the other requirement is that you have to complete 12 volunteer hours. Okay. Um, so that's probably where that came in with your volunteers. Mm -hmm. And we give people like a year to complete it. Um, so it's a good amount of time to complete your volunteer hours. Well, I will say the, um, I think it was three women who joined my lead green team. Yeah. Uh, they committed way more than 12 hours. Nice. They yeah. kicked ass. I love them so much. I... I want to shout out to them, but I don't know if I should say their names, but... Master uh, Recycler Volunteers. Master Recycler Volunteers. You're all so great. I love you so much. So cool. So that, that's really cool. I didn't realize all the classes. So that's yeah. total required six classes that they have to take, but they yep. could take eight if they so choose. Correct. Awesome. Yep. And then the 12 volunteer hours... And then it's great because, I mean, this year it was over Zoom, so it wasn't as hands-on yeah. as it's been in the past. Typically, we do a landfill tour. Oh. So if you've never been out to the landfill, you can see how crazy and insane <laughs> that is. And basically, an eye-opener of why we need to divert our waste. Yeah. So we do that, and we also tour. It's in the industry, you'll hear people say all the time, MRF. MRF? Yeah. It's an acronym for Materials Recovery Facility. Okay. 
which is basically where your recycling goes to get sorted and bailed for the market. So you also get to see how that works, which is really insightful into the recycling world, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I have so many questions. I think (laughs) the first one I want to ask is, I think it's well known that recycling, not rules, but uh, like what you can recycle Mm -hmm. is different in every city or municipality. Right. On top of that, I know a lot of people that say, oh, well, there's no point in recycling this because I saw the recycle man dump it in the trash. Yeah. I've heard that story so many times. Right. And then when I, when I did find out what is and what is not recyclable, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I've been yeah. doing it wrong. But so how, right. how yeah. do you navigate all that? And <laughs> how do you keep hope with that? And what do yeah. you have to say to the, there's no point in recycling? Right. Well, Yeah, I think there are a lot of myths out there about recycling. And even, I mean, we were interviewed for a story on PBS Utah, and the title that they decided on was The Dirty Truth of Recycling. Oh, gosh. Like, like, okay, friends, like we could have picked a better (laughs) title. So basically how recycling works and why it is different in different cities is that it's all based on a commodity market. There has to be a need for a product that you're putting into your recycle can that can then be turned into something else. I guess that makes sense, because if not, then what would they do with it? (laughs) So, and that's why it can be different from city to city, because basically, like, Salt Lake City for here is the hauler of all your recyclables. And they take it to the material recovery facility that is owned by the company Waste Management, who is a private entity. Okay. So we have a public-private partnership with them. And so when you hear the rules, it's basically coming from, you know, what's on the market? Yeah. What can their machinery process? And so there's different MRFs in each city, and there's different markets for what that business can then sell and make a profit off of. And if they unfortunately can't make a profit, then they're not going to deal with the hassle of recycling it. Yeah, which that makes sense. sucks. And I wish it was just like, oh, let's do the right thing. Yeah. But it's this private business on the end that needs to make money. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's a little disheartening because yeah. I feel like a lot of materials probably could be reused. Yeah. I mean, hypothetically, anything could be recycled if there was a market for yeah. it and if someone wanted to process it. And, and yeah, it'd be even better if the market <laughs> just produced things that were easily recyclable. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the way legislation is headed. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And which I think is great because I think the only way you can get everyone to do something is if you change the laws. If yeah. Something. So especially big corporations and private companies. (laughs) So there is like an Oregon senator and a California representative who pre-COVID introduced this bill called the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act. And then that was tabled because of COVID and they reintroduced it this past March. And it has like so many things within it. But one of the things is called extended producer responsibility Hell yeah. So that sounds like, like we need that. <laughs> yeah. So that's like saying, hey, let's not put the responsibility on the consumer. Yeah. You need to make something that is recyclable or is made with like 25% recycled content and not all virgin yeah. plastic. And like, you know, so many things about how things could be made more recyclable or just not even, you know, need to be recycled to begin with. Yeah. So. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was an article or maybe I'm just pulling this out of my head, out of thin air. Yeah. But um, I listened – I'm pretty sure I listened to something that talked about how plastic producers did put all that responsibility on consumers by adding those, like, little recyclable the sign – The yeah. symbol, yeah. And yeah. then the numbers. And right. they compared it to the cigarette industry and how basically the – Folks who are making cigarettes are like, well, we know it's bad, but we're just going to not make it our problem. Right. And we don't want to have to deal with it. We just want to make the money. And so essentially plastic producers, specifically plastic, and I think plastic is usually the culprit of uh, bad waste. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different kinds and there's, 
you know, it's not all recyclable. And unfortunately, I think like what you're you're talking about too kind of touches on like greenwashing. Yeah. And like, of course, the company wants to appear as environmentally friendly as possible. So Mm -hmm. it's like you buy like a case of bottled water and that case wrap has a recycling symbol on it because uh-huh. yeah hypothetically somewhere it's probably recyclable but Which like is so also, frustrating yeah and i talk to people all the time who are angry not angry but they're just like well it has the recycling symbol on it yeah you know and so then i can throw it in the bin yeah and i get it like if you're not in the recycling world why would you think yeah otherwise like yeah that's basically what you're being fed so, I think yeah. the more I learned about it, because at the University of Utah, I tried to do this program where we increased plastic recycling because they only did plastics number one and two. Yeah. I don't think anybody knew the difference. They didn't even know there were numbers. That's kind of right. what I picked up on when we did this social survey. Yeah. And then also we wanted to get another bin for plastics three through seven. Yeah. And nobody really explained to me why they didn't do that. They just were like, oh, it's cheaper. And so I was like, oh, well, we need to recycle all of it. But then the more I learned about it, I was like, oh, well, some of it's super hard to recycle and some of it they don't take. Yeah. If plastic doesn't have that number on it, like the stretchy plastic, Mm -hmm. like a Smith's bag or a grocery bag, that has to go to like a completely different place. Uh, Thing after thing, it's so mind boggling. Yeah. This is why people get frustrated with it and why they want to give up on recycling altogether. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of categorized the plastics into soft plastics, which are those plastic grocery bags and bubble wrap and things that you were just talking about, and then hard plastics. So not even focusing on a number because the market can fluctuate so much between months. And it's also really hard to get people to change their habits. So if you say, hey, stop recycling number fives, and then the Next month, the number five, yeah. there's a market for it. It's like, well, now it's not coming into the facility to be <sighs> sold. So it's yeah. like they take the hit when it's not recyclable, but they still want it to come in yeah. for when there is a market yeah, kind of thing. But the difference with your grocery bags and things going back to grocery stores and those drop-offs is that doesn't have to go to a sorting facility where yeah. it's going to gum up the machinery. Like, that gets bailed and gets sold to people who are either making the plastic lumber out of it or it's getting burned and what is called waste to energy. Yeah. And so. what you're talking about specifically, people can bring their plastic bags and soft plastic back to Smith's, yeah. which is something I do, brag. Uh, <laughs> Good job. And then you like put it in the bin and that goes directly right. to the facility, which is cool. I didn't know it was made into plastic lumber or yeah. burnt. When you first said that, I was like, oh no, but right. burnt to energy? Yeah. So... The lumber, if you've ever heard of, like, Trex decking. Nope. Or a lot of times park benches are made out of recycled okay. plastic. Like, yeah. that's the I guess the plastic, plastic lumber, the yeah. visual worked really well for me. Yeah. It's a good descriptor. Yeah, it's like a lot, if you want to build a deck and you don't want to varnish your wood deck, everything yeah. you can get plastic lumber. Hmm. So there's that. And then, yeah, the burning of it. I mean, I don't think there have been enough studies done to know if that's better than just landfilling it. Yeah. But the thing about it is that they would have to be getting fuel from somewhere. Yeah. So, so it's maybe like, might as it's getting one more use out of it. Yeah. Anyway, kind of thing. Not and a then, perfect solution, but certainly a solution. Right. So that's where they're at right now. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't that. know that. Yeah. So folks, if you do have that stretchy plastic and I do bring in the bubble wrap and all yeah. that. And I, whenever I go to Smith's, I drop that off. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's, there's so many different kinds of that plastic. I mean, if everyone buys everything from Amazon, unfortunately, yeah. and there's the yellow envelopes, which are the paper and the bubble wrap. Yeah, Those you can't do you that. Can't take there, but the blue and white ones, I mean, they have the recycling symbol on them, but then you have to. It says store drop-off below yep. that recycling symbol, but nobody, <laughs> like, reads that far into it. So they just put them in their curbside bin. But those could go back mm-hmm. to the grocery store. Yeah. Well. So if you guys didn't know that and you do go to a Smith's in Salt Lake or I don't know what other grocery stores, I know that Sprouts <laughs> stopped doing it. Trader Joe's never did it. And Natural Grocers never did it. But that's because they don't give you bags anyways. Yeah. Target... Takes them back and oh. also Winco. 
Okay. And Winco works with a company called Novalex, who does bag to bag a bag to bag program where they're turning them back into cool grocery bags. All right. So, so Target is all over the United States, yeah. so that's a good one. And then yeah. Winco, I've never. Yeah. I think I went to Winco once and I got overwhelmed. I left. It's quite, it's quite large, but they do have a nice bulk section. Yeah, so, and that's something that we yeah. talked about with on the episode with uh, Jamaica, Jamaica. Yeah. from Hello Bulk. Yeah. So I kind of want to shift gears and talk about. You said compostables. That's something that like, there's a class on that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that there are a lot of plates and cups and all that stuff that say this is compostable. Yeah. I worked at the. University of Utah at their gardens, the Edible Campus Gardens, and we did compost and we're like, let's try it with this compostable paper plate. Right. It was just a a compost pile that we turned physically. It wasn't a big composting machine. Right. But nothing decomposed in the slightest. It just got dirty and caught on our pitchfork. So tell me anything you know about that. Because that was always a little frustrating to me. Totally. Well, I would say there's different categories of compostables. So what we see a lot of in people's yard waste bins, which are the brown colored bins, is they will buy those green compostable biodegradable bags for their kitchen scraps and then just put that into the yard waste bin thinking it can all be composted. And so the problem with plant-based compostable plastic material essentially is what that is, is that it needs an industrial facility where the humidity is just right and the temperature is just right in order for that to compost in the way that it's intended to. And I mean, those facilities exist. I don't, know too much about them or where i'm sure in california yeah. some, <laughs> california but, is the future <laughs> yeah. but so here in salt lake we have a green waste section of the landfill where by contract all of those yard waste bins have to go to get turned into compost but it's not an enclosed facility they have like they're called windrows of compost where they have to reach a certain temperature in order to kill off bacteria and yeah. seeds okay that's between 130 and 160 degrees wow but that's not going to like break down a compostable yeah. bag it might eventually it's that's another, another green washing <laughs> yeah and it makes me think of what you said. It's like, oh, theoretically, this plastic is recyclable. Yeah. And theoretically, this plate is compostable. I mean, I guess the silver lining is that it's made from better products than a regular piece of plastic is made from. Yeah. So that's good. And if it goes to the landfill, it'll break down quicker. Quick, like, like, probably like, <laughs> but still like in a long it's time. It's still just like a plastic bag going yeah. to the landfill. Okay. <laughs> uh, since we're on the topic of compostables, and you mentioned the brown waste bins, which I yeah. know a lot of people in Salt Lake do have, I use that to actually throw my compostables that aren't plastic and paper products. Yeah. Um, I throw my stuff into that, and I don't know if a lot of people know, but can you tell yeah. folks what you're what you can put into those brown waste bins. Right. So yeah, you can put your kitchen scraps in there as far as like vegetable scraps go. Um, might be easier to say like what's not accepted. Okay. And so that would be like any kind of meat or dairy. Bread. Oil. Bread. Technically, yeah, you wouldn't want to put bread in there. Like a piece here and there is probably not going to hurt. Yeah. It would be okay. Coffee grounds, eggshells are fine to go in there. Tea bags, you just want to be careful because a lot of tea bags are plastic. Yeah. And also have staples. I've definitely, so, like the paper ones, I'll pull out the staple and the string and yeah. throw that away and then throw yeah. the rest of the bag into the, yep. my compost bin. There you go. Yeah. So I mean, that pretty much covers it. We do see a lot of people putting like construction waste in there, like treated lumber and things like that. Oh, is that no good? That's no good. Oh, man. That's <laughs> like, a you bummer. You can put natural wood in there, like tree branches and things. Yeah. But you wouldn't want to put any kind of like treated two by fours okay. or something in well, there. Well, I'm glad I haven't made that mistake yet. Yeah. Now I know if I ever have some treated two by fours that I don't need. Yeah. But basically, if you just think to yourself, this will biodegrade and turn into compost. Yeah. It'll be okay. I do know that some people don't understand that treated wood is infused with chemicals. Yeah. Um, and that's why we can't 
reuse that stuff and maybe right. also why we shouldn't burn it. Yeah. I always have people that are like, oh, yeah, I just have leftover stuff from this building project. And I'm like, I don't want to burn that, but yeah. I also don't want to burn anything. That's just me. Yeah. Well, you're just putting more carbon into the air. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, they don't want anything chemically treated because it does get turned into compost that they sell to people to yeah. in their gardens. And you don't want that in your garden. Yeah, exactly. Another thing is sometimes people will put their pet waste in there. Oh. And you don't want to put that in there as well. That doesn't sound good at all. Yeah. Ugh. It's not good, but it's in their yard, so that's what Yeah, I guess if it, like, gets mixed in there every once in a while. Right. But. Yeah. All right. Well, it would be great to hear if you have some general pointers for people who do want to recycle. Yeah. What are some common things that people don't know or don't understand that would be useful? Yeah. I mean, I think what we're still seeing people do, and it has gotten better, but it's been about three years now since they've started saying not to bag your recyclables. Yeah. Just keep everything loose. And of course, so that falls in line with no bags, films, or wraps. Yeah. What I tell people, you know, obviously, like there's so many different kinds of plastics when you go to the grocery <laughs> store. Try not to get too frustrated on what you can and can't recycle with the plastics. Like just keep it to the hard containers. Yeah. And you should be okay. And then along the basics, it's like aluminum cans, steel cans, yeah. cardboard, and paper. Those are great and things to recycle. Those are good things to recycle and that there's still a market for and that they still want to recycle. Yeah. yeah. So what about <laughs> uh, contamination? Yeah. I mean, things should be relatively clean that you're putting into your bin. And the reason for that is we have single stream recycling, meaning you don't have to separate each material from each other. Like, yeah. You can put your plastic bottle, your aluminum can, and your paper all in the same can. So because of that, say you have... Even if it's just water, like a water bottle that's like half filled with water, and then that gets on the paper that's in your bin, well, now that paper starts breaking down. Or, oh, okay. like, say you have a bottle of ketchup, and that ketchup gets on... Gets all over the paper. You can't yeah. recycle that paper. Right. And so that's where the problem lies okay. with that. So with liquids, I tell people just to do a drip test. Like yeah. A milk jug or a soda can or whatever. Just make sure that nothing is going to drip out of it. You don't have to wash it with soap and water. You know, you don't have to waste water doing that. But, oh, okay. But say you have, like, a peanut butter jar or a mayonnaise yeah. jar, I would take a spatula and just get as much as you can out of it. Okay. But you don't have to thoroughly clean those. Because, yeah. I mean, peanut butter is not as likely to fall out. <laughs> but, I usually uh, will put the lid on with some water and give it a shake and yeah. then empty it and let it dry and then yeah. put it in. That's awesome. I also heard that you should, if the plastics are the same, you should keep the caps on the containers because right. the caps are maybe too small to pick up or yeah. what's the... So that brings up a good point as far as sizes on anything. Like if anything is smaller than, say, a credit card, it's not going to make it to the end of the line Okay. The facility. So it needs to be big enough where when the truck dumps your bin, you know, it falls into the truck. When the truck goes to the facility, it dumps everything out on what's called a tipping floor. And then there's, like, a front loader that will scoop up a scoop and <laughs> put that into, like, a big dumpster, which starts this whole conveyor belt line. Uh, yeah. And then there's a series of conveyor belts and... You know, They're just sorted onto conveyor belts. Right. And so if something's too small, it's just probably not going to make it. Yeah. And so with plastics and containers, usually the lid is actually a different kind of plastic than the yeah. container, but apparently that doesn't matter. And you should, you should, cause like in the end process, when they shred it, I've heard that they put it into like a pool water system and the different densities of yeah, water. Yeah. That's what I heard out. too. So. So the issue of it being a different plastic on the same container isn't not such a, a big, big deal. deal as much as it is like if that lid is separated from that container, it's not going to make it. Okay. So that's why your lids Interesting. should be on All your right. container. Well, yeah. I'm glad I've been doing the right <laughs> thing then. Yeah. And then on that note, what are common things that people will put into the recycle bin? I know that the yellow envelope from Amazon that has the bubble wrap on the inside because oh, yeah. it's a dual... A mi they call it a mixed material. Mixed material. Like more than one okay. material. Yeah. 
So along the mixed material lines, we see a lot of cartons and like, say it's like an almond milk carton okay, or like a chicken broth carton. There's two different kinds of cartons. One is usually you see in the refrigerator and they call it a gable top. Um, gable top. Cause yeah. It's... Just cause the, that's what the top yeah. looks like. <laughs> but usually those have either like a wax or a plastic coating. So yeah. They feel like that. Yeah. So because of that, those aren't recyclable. The other kind, which is shelf-stable, it's typically a trademark name called Tetra Pak. It's like your broth container. Okay. That has plastic, aluminum, and paper. And so I maybe in Sweden they have a machine that can, like, <laughs> separate those materials from each other, but we don't have that kind of technology okay. that can... For separate. either of those, the waxy one or the aluminum. Right. Yep. Okay. I'm thinking of now paper cups that people use all the time at parties yeah. that have wax on them. Right. Those... I would, that would just be garbage. Oh, man. <laughs> you guys don't have those disposable cups. Yeah. Maybe solo cups. Solo cups would be okay. You could put those on the recycling bin. God, it's crazy to think that we live in a world where red solo cups are a more environmentally friendly option right. than waxy paper cups. Right. Oh, man. It is wild. That That is something that I did talk about a lot when deciding what we should use at the Pride Festival to make it more sustainable. And I think yeah. we just concluded on paper cups that have no wax. Yeah. But then when they get wet, too, I don't know. Can you? So what's the rule on wet paper? You can't recycle wet paper? Well, I would try to think for the amount of time that someone would be using that cup. I wonder if it would penetrate it enough to be, like, soaked through. Generally, yeah, like, wet paper or any kind of, like, soiled with grease paper. Okay. Or even if you have a kiddo that does an art project and there's glitter and yeah. paint and all over, it's like, like a cardboard robot, you just want to put that in the trash. And I guess that um, one thing that I have talked about with people is pizza boxes. Yeah. If your cardboard pizza boxes have grease all over them, they're trash, but yep. you can rip off the lid right. and recycle that. Yeah. So, Because typically the lid shouldn't have, I mean, sometimes yeah. they get some on there, but that way you're saving at least half the box, yeah. which is better than none. All but, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of all the other like misconceptions other things, and things I've yeah. heard. I mean, people try to recycle their clothes. <laughs> In recycling oh. bins all the time, so that's not where that that's goes. That's a strange move, guys. <laughs> it's strange, but it's common enough that I feel like I need to mention it. Wow. <laughs> Just take it to the Goodwill, yeah. Savers, yeah. the DI, yeah. maybe the other ones first before that for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what else? We see a lot of chip bags, a lot of food wrappers, yeah, kind so of along that soft plastic line. Chip bags, too. I guess I wouldn't have thought of them as plastic, but yeah. there's a whole... Is it tetraplastic or teraplastic? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, that weird metallic silver oh, yes. stuff. And that you just uh, can't it's the recycle. Same as, like with those balloons. Yeah. I'm kind of, now I'm like blanking on what that's actually tarot. Tarot would not be good because I think that means earth. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of the. Yeah, name of it right those now. things you can't throw in. Right. Same with like pet food bags. A lot of them are paper on the outside, but usually pet food is so greasy that the inside has a plastic layer anyway. Yeah. Some are just plastic. In the winter, we'll see a lot of salt bags that people use for their driveways. That makes or sense. Like yeah. In the springtime, potting soil bags. And from their point of view, they're like, well, it's a thicker plastic. And that's yeah. true, but it's really just all the same. So here's a question for you. Is it better for folks to throw in... If they're not sure, is it better for them to throw that item into the trash or into the recycle bin? Right. So what you're bringing up is something called wish cycling. Yeah. It's so funny because I had someone the other day after a presentation ask me the question and I could see where they were coming from, but I was like, oh no. They were like, <laughs> they were like well, so if I don't know, like what you just said, if something's recyclable, should I put it in the bin and then the sorting process will just sort it out? And no, you shouldn't do that. There's this phrase, which I don't particularly like, but because I think it incentivizes you to be lazy, that's called when in doubt, throw it out. Yeah. But I like better, like, when in doubt, find out. Yeah. Like, there are resources. You can call me and I, <laughs> I will tell you, you know? So, 
Yeah, so wish cycling is a no-no. I would find out for sure. But typically, and that's why the phrase exists, like, when in doubt, throw it out. Because if you're confused about it, most likely it's probably yeah. not recyclable. And yeah, so what It's happens, not paper, aluminum, cardboard. Yeah. 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 You know, say you put your garden hose in there, which we do see, and then that goes to the facility. I mean, if it doesn't, first of all, get tangled on the machinery. It's, which is, I'm sure, a huge hassle. Yeah. Totally. I mean, all that stuff that can't be recycled has to go to the landfill anyway. So now it's making an extra trip from the recycling facility Mm -hmm. to the landfill, whereas uh, like it could have just gone to the landfill to begin with and not cost the gas and like emissions. Yeah. Transporting it again. More resources for your trash. Right. Yeah. And the city does get charged for contamination. So it's. And that's our tax dollars. Right. So. So if you want your cost. (laughs) Yeah. Just recycle. No wish cycling, guys. I I have heard that term before, but gosh, it's such a good one. And I think as humans, like we want something, we want to do the right thing. We want it to be recyclable. Yeah. So if folks in Salt Lake City want to find out what they can recycle, where can they go? How can they figure that out? Right. So the sustainability site for Salt Lake City is just slcgreen.com. Nice. And so under that, that will lead you into the waste and recycling section where there's a plethora of information you can find out. And I do, I love SLC Green. I'm on their, the mailing list and comes out with great stuff. If you guys are interested, if you like this podcast and you like this episode, you should probably get onto that mailing list. It's pretty great. And they have a newsletter and an Instagram, Facebook, and you can just directly message that Instagram and we'll get back to you with a nice an answer. So that's great. Yeah. Something that I'm personally curious about. I know that at some point China stopped taking recyclables from the United States. How big of an impact did that have on Salt Lake City? So China came out with what was called the National Sword Policy. Sword? Yeah. We don't know. Sounds cool, though. (laughs) Like, good job, them. Yeah. And before that, I mean, if you look into this, it was called, like, the Green Fence Act. So basically... China is trying to clean up their act. Part of that is we were sending... Basically, how recycling worked was China is has this global market, right? Like, yeah. everything comes from China. So everything is coming to us in shipping containers. And then we give and, all that back. Right. Know? And so rather than sending those shipping containers back empty, we started putting our recyclables in there and sending it to them. Got it. Yeah, they yeah. they wanted it. But... I mean, as far as contamination goes, they were getting garbage, they were getting the soft plastics, mm-hmm. which they also didn't want. And so the contamination rate that they used to accept was 20 to 30%. Whoa. And then the national sword policy came out and that dropped down to a half of a percent. <gasps> so not even 1% Whoa. was allowed, which effectively cut off. Yeah. Every, like, not even the United States. They cut off everybody. Everyone likes sending it there because the way that we have been doing recycling, there was no way to get it. And I know that they also dealt with a lot of toxic waste. I don't know if it was medical waste was included in there, but definitely electronic waste. Right. Which that stuff is not safe. Right. So that was in 2018 that they enacted that policy and it went into effect January 1st of 2018. I heard it affected Oregon heavily. Yeah. And then I didn't know how it affected us. And so like we, I think that we were not affected as much one, just because our sustainability department is so gung ho on keeping the program. Heck yeah. We're We're going to figure this out. (laughs) We're willing to pay extra to send it to places that do want it. That's cool. So, I mean, it basically turned into instead of like making a little bit of money that they were paying to be recycled. So two other things I want to ask about are items that don't go to the recycling facilities. One being electronic waste. Mm -hmm. And then the other is glass. Yeah. So you would have to take it to the household hazardous waste facility, which is within the landfill. Okay. And so that address, if you're not familiar with it, is 6030 West California Avenue. The household hazardous waste facility is run by the county rather than the city. So it's run by the public health department. And so what you would say, you have like a TV, a computer, a microwave, a refrigerator, (laughs) like all of those things. A toaster oven, a light bulb, batteries. Yeah. 
So it depends on the light bulb. Okay. So compact fluorescent light bulbs, which are your curly, cute, pigtail looking ones, as well as the long tubes, all have mercury gas in them. Oh. So if they're broken, that gas escapes, and then that's not great for the atmosphere. So those need to be handled properly. So those shouldn't go. I definitely broke one of those (laughs) a month or two ago and was like, huh, and it's currently sitting in my e-waste bin. Just right. broken. Well, now that it's broken, it could probably just go in your garbage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, good to know. Yeah, because so, <sighs> that's the whole reason yeah. that they need to be handled properly, um, is because of that gas. But regular incandescent bulbs, they don't have that in there, so technically that can just go in your garbage. Okay. Um, well, good to know about the mercury. I will keep that in mind next time I smash one of those light bulbs. Yeah. The same as, like, batteries, whether they're alkaline or lithium. Oh, those... I guess I don't even know what my batteries are. I never yeah. think about it. Well, like your standard double A. Okay. Uh, alkaline battery. Is that better or worse than lithium? As far as, like, if that ends up in the landfill, it's better. Because okay. there's really nothing hazardous. But if you take it to the facility to get recycled, there are metals in there that can be retrieved yeah. and recycled. Okay. But yeah, like your rechargeable batteries or computer batteries would, yeah. you'd want to take there as well. And so cool. if you go out to the landfill and you have these things, they won't charge you for it and they will direct you to the facility. That's awesome. Yeah. Will but, you say the address again? Yeah. So 6030 West California Avenue. And that's the hazardous. Yep. The Household Hazardous Waste Facility. Household Hazardous Waste Facility. That's great. I also know that for a while, Salt Lake County, you could bring it directly to them, to an office. I know the county library system will take the light bulbs and the government office downtown on Main Street in like 2100 South will take the light bulbs and pharmaceuticals. I don't know if they take e-waste though. Okay. And then I think it's not Best Buy. It's Office Max. Well, Best Buy actually has, if you check out their website, like a huge list of things oh, that they cool. will take. Like I looked at it one time and it was like a curling iron or a hair dryer. Oh, whoa. That you wouldn't think <laughs> yeah. could be. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. I would check out Best Buy. And then Office Max does, but I went there. You had to pay for you it. You have to pay for it. Okay. And then uh, glass. What do you, yeah. thoughts and feels about glass and how that works here? I don't even yeah. know how that works. That's the only material that is source separated in yeah. Salt Lake City, meaning that you can't put it into your curbside blue bin. You have to either get a separate bin, which you can, which is like $7 a month if you're lazy. Oh, that's it? It's cheap. Yeah. $7 a month. They pick it up once a month. Yeah. It's done through Momentum Recycling, which is the glass recycler mm-hmm. for Utah and Colorado. Or there's drop-off locations you can take it to, and Momentum Recycling on their website has a map yeah. where they're all listed, and Salt Lake has like 23 different ones. So there's okay. many. And the Momentum map of glass recycling places, it expands beyond Salt Lake City, right? It's right. Yep. all of the all of the state, and probably in Colorado, too, because that's... yeah. Colorado stick. Yeah. When you go to their website, you can pick Colorado or Utah. Okay. And then it'll show you the map of, because they are expanding to different cities yeah. to have glass recycling available. And that's great. And it's, all the time. it's, I mean, if you guys are driving around anyways, you could easily incorporate into your route. Yeah. So that's what I try to do. I don't yeah. do the $7. I just drop mine off on the way to work or back yeah. from work, and it's super convenient. Mm-hmm. And so. I know sometimes when I've had friends that are frustrated, they're like, I'm going to throw each bottle individually, but I don't know if that's, is that bad? Because they break the bottles? Oh, well, it ends up getting broken anyway. Okay. So broken glass is fine, but there are certain types of glass that you don't want to put in there. Oh, like so, the colors? Because mm-hmm. I know there's brown and green and right. clear. Yeah. The colors don't matter, actually. Oh. Um. As long as, again, it's like they're looking for beverage containers. Okay. But say you have Pyrex that you use for your leftovers, that has a different melting point than like a beer bottle or a pickle jar. So they can't use that. And that's like contamination when that gets in there. The same as like, I mean, mirrors end up in there, like windshield glass ends up in there. Ceramics, as far as like a coffee cup or something that's porcelain, wouldn't go in there. They're really just looking for those glass containers. Yeah, glass bottle containers. Well, that's good to know. I would have never really thought to put my mug in there, but maybe if my Pyrex broke. Yeah. Unfortunately, that would just go in the garbage. Yeah. Or maybe you can 
super glue it back together and okay. use it for a Yeah. Okay. And then contamination for glass, is that? Yeah. So that would be here is where you would want to remove the lids. Yeah. Which are like. And the labels? The label do... is fine because okay. they're going to use a very pressurized air system, okay. and like wash system that will blow that off. So okay. that's fine. But remove lids, remove corks. Yeah. And I mean, again, like empty. Yeah. There's anything left inside. Yeah. Dump do the drip out. test. Yeah. Okay. But. Contamination of glass isn't as Too hardcore big of a deal. as <laughs> like the other ones. All right. So, and maybe you know the answer to this question. I've heard it both ways that glass is the hardest thing to recycle and the most expensive. And then I've also heard it's the easiest thing to recycle. It's the cheapest thing to recycle. Where does it fall <laughs> on that spectrum? To be honest, price wise, I don't know. Okay. But both glass and aluminum aluminum are infinitely recyclable yeah. as compared to like paper or plastic, which you can only recycle so many times. So those for that reason alone are going like if you have the option to choose. Yeah. I always get a Mexican Coke in the glass bottle because oh, yeah. first of all it tastes better. First <laughs> of all, it's in a glass bottle and not a plastic bottle. So yeah, I mean there's so many different ways of looking at things. Like glass is also heavy. Yeah, so, so it takes a lot to transport. Right. But for that reason, too, that's why glass is a local recycling yeah. business because... It's easy. It's and easy. It's and right you, there. You don't want to ship it long yeah. distances because that's going to cost you. So I guess there's pros and cons to each material. Yeah. And, but um, also, I mean, if you think about... Because you could look at the energy it takes to, like, extract... To actually, yeah, yeah. recycle them. Yeah. So there's that. Or, I mean, obviously, to recycle glass and aluminum, you're saving energy from extracting raw materials to yeah. make new aluminum things or glass And if it's already so. there, you might as well use it. Quick note for everybody. If you want to buy a water bottle, there's a lot of aluminum options coming up. Yeah. And I think that just needs to be the future. Plastic bottles need to go. They need to get out of here. Aluminum is a very valid option. Yeah. And I know that now some wine, I have a French friend who will totally disagree <laughs> with this notion, but a lot of wine distributors are now thinking about moving to aluminum. Um, there's a big one somewhere in Europe that was shipping wine to the United States in glass bottles. And they're like, well, we do want to cut down on our carbon footprint. So they're sending it in aluminum containers. Yeah. And then from there, filling the glass bottles, you can bring back your glass bottle, which of course isn't going to happen in Utah because we have really strange liquor laws. But yeah. that concept is really cool because it is heavy, like you said. Yeah, So definitely. Do you have any other tips or things that you like know people mess up on or anything right. you want to leave with folks before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about recycling the whole time, but I would just like <laughs> remind people that that should be your last last resort option yep. when you're, I mean, I don't know if you've been taught about the three R's. <laughs> I, mean, I was in grade school, but I talked to people about it and they're like, I have never heard of this. So anyway, the three R's. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yep. I mean, there's more like refuse, rot. Yep. There's, you're adding more to the list, but essentially you should, like when you go to the grocery store, if you have the option of buying your spinach in a plastic container, or if you can buy it loose, you know, just buy it loose. Yep. And then you don't even have to worry about what to do with that packaging because it doesn't exist in your life. Yep. So that's what I try to do, and that's what I try to educate people to do. Yeah. And, I mean, that's just one thing that if, you know, as a consumer, you're not buying something, yeah, they're not going to keep making it. Exactly. So. And, again, Hello Bulk is a really great option for that. Yeah. The farmer's market, I know that can be out of people's price range, but sometimes the veggies are really cheap. Yeah. Cheeses and meats and egg, like, that's all going to be more expensive. But you can go buy produce in your own bags. Yeah. And you can bring your own reusable bags. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, one of my biggest things that I actually <laughs> is reusable bags. Because yeah. it's the easiest thing that you could do, and it would save so much. Yeah. And it's just a matter of having enough of them mm -hmm. in your car, in your apartment, remembering I have, to Yeah, I have some on, like, on top <laughs> of my fridge if I need to yeah. go out, and they're all, yeah. like, I have a 
tub in the back of my car where just all, all yeah. my reusable yeah. bags are. Cause just always keep them in the trunk of your car and you'll always yep. have them. And they're good for everything. And usually they hold a lot more weight than your plastic bags. Yeah. You put so much in yeah, them. it's true. And I guess same thing goes with with your water bottles, with your coffee mugs, yeah. even silverware. You know, it's right. easy to carry a tiny spork around just yeah. in case you need it instead of getting more plastic. But right. I like reduce, reuse, refuse, rot, whatever it yeah. is. Um, Before you recycle. Just to throw this in, that very much goes with clothes and things. If you're going to buy clothes, maybe just buy clothes from a secondhand shop or a consignment yeah. store because fast fashion, that's a whole another thing I'd love to talk about. Yeah. I mean, along with, you know, having your utensils and your reusable with you, I would just make sure to whoever you're interacting with, like where you're buying your takeout from or whatever, tell them like, hey, I don't need that. Yeah. Ask you put utensils in there. I don't need it. It's like if enough people ask, maybe they will start asking. Yeah. Hey, do you need for sure? So that's something I would also recommend. Cool. Well, that is about recycling in general. But the Master Recyclers program, guys are interested. It's free. Sign up. It sounds like we could all be a little bit more aware. And thank you, Ashley, so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. And I have to thank AJ for the intro music. Thanks, AJ. You're great. As my dad always says, use your head and be clever.